This is Grit, the show formerly known as Quit. It's all about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome. Calling in live. No guests today. Just you if you want to call in, and if you don't, that's fine. I've got a lot to talk about whether you call in or not. 512-518-5714. that's Austin. 518-5714 is the number to dial on your phone if you want to get on. I, know, I always go back and forth between taking calls and not taking calls. But if I if, if I get enough people stacked up, I will do calls. But if I feel if I don't feel it, I'm not going to do it. So if you if you want to get on, you better get on right now. If not, that's all right. I don't care. Because so I get a lot to talk. Talk pay is the trending hashtag right now on Twitter. At the last minute, I put out a call and I said, you want to get on the show? Good. If not, what are some things you'd like for me to talk about? Because I'll talk about whatever you want today. We gave up some really good topics. That's Heidi Cook speaking. Oh, hi. We have some good topics, but a number of people in, in there's this one guy's name. I can't even pronounce his name. Col, Mark Kolbrug said there's a trending topic on Twitter right now. People talking openly about their salaries. And that was already on my list. It's a hashtag called talk pay. It's trending in San Francisco right now. <laughs> trending in San Francisco. But it is a good topic. Verge has a write-up about it. Startup workers are tweeting about how much money they actually make. It's not limited to just startup workers, but that's the spin that this article is putting on it. Talk pay is the hashtag, and people are tweeting about this. So here's some examples. Talk pay, at one point, I'm I'm not even going to read these people's names because it doesn't, there's so many of them. But one person says that at one point the Series A crunch happened and my salary dropped to $30,000 a year plus some options. Another says was pays 80000 in 2009 for being a web developer at an agency, then hundred k as a dev advocate in 2011, now earn approximately 50% more. Someone else, my salary went from 32000 to 1XX1000, so 100000 plus. Sorry, we'll not disclose exact number, but technology is the key. Another says, agency intern, 30K per year. Ouch. Promotion negotiation, 45. 70K freelance, 115K permalancing at small tech company. Full-time pay stagnated there. At Google, as of another person, at Google, as of last July when I left, senior SWE, Bay Area, eight years of experience, $156,000 salary, roughly $100,000 in in stock, $32,000 bonus. Then someone says, looking at TalkPay, and it's a bit depressing to see a lot of developers with similar years of experience as me making $80,000 plus more than me. So this makes me remember, this reminds me, back in, uh, back in the old days when I used to sit on IRC all day long, because <laughs> all my friends and the only people that knew anything about computers that were worth talking to were in different countries or different parts of my country. And I remember talking to these people about their salaries at one point because I was, had just graduated and I was making, this is 1994, 95. I was making $21,500 in my first professional full-time job. I had no real world experience. And, but I was very enthusiastic. I was very excited. I was very much willing to do well above and beyond whatever it could possibly take to do my job. Doing my job was a given. Doing what was expected of me was not even a consideration. I was going to go so above and beyond what was expected of me. And that would be one of the last times that I felt that way until I started my own business. It's a very strange situation to be in when you first get out of school. And you go and you start working for someone. You have to prove yourself. You have to prove yourself to yourself. Prove what you can do to yourself. What can I do? I've got this degree now. I better go to work. And I can't tell you how many people I've seen in the professional world, how many people I've wound up hiring and eventually later having to let go. 
because they start to coast. And we've talked about coasting on this show before. It's easy to coast. You get into a rut, you get into a, a zone, and you get comfortable. You stop thinking about what can I do? How can I prove myself to myself? Because you say, I've proven myself. I've already know what I can do. They hired me. They want me to work here. But there was a long, 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 long time where I knew what I had to get done. I knew what was expected of me. And that was enough. I would do that, but I could do that in three or four hours a day. And the other four hours a day, that was for me. That was for me. I might research stuff. I might write a hive logic post, you know, I might just hang out, talk to other people. And it wasn't like an intentional thing. It wasn't like, I'm not going to do my work or I'm going to waste time. It didn't feel like wasting time. And those other three hours where I was wasting time, it wasn't a three hour block. It might be five or 10 minutes out of every hour. But when I worked for myself, that went away completely. Then I was 100% focused on the stuff that I needed to do. 100% focused. I didn't have any time to waste. And I started to realize, you know, like somehow when you feel like if you're at a big company, it's a big company. And, you know, like you might spend 15 minutes in your friend's office or cube or sitting with them, talking to them, BSing. Like, you don't feel like you're, you know, it's a victimless crime. But it really isn't a victimless crime. It adds up. It adds up. And I, I used to be a member of a team of other geeks. Eventually, I found I was working for what was essentially a consulting company. Everything was billable. Everything had to be billable. Every hour, every minute of every hour, you were, you were billable. But we did something pretty cool at the end of the day. We always stopped working. And I forget whether it was probably 530. It might have been six o'clock. And there was, uh, there was a really cool game that had come out on the computer. It was called Doom 2. And Doom 2 had multiplayer. It was just like Doom, but better. And it had multiplayer. So what you could do is you could play against the other, the other people in the office. And it was great. And so every single day, I think if I remember right, you could only play four people at a time. That was fine. And we used to do that. And it was a team bonding thing, whatever. But I worked at other companies where, you know, we'd, I'd go and I'd visit the other company or something. And, and this is many years later. And they do this a lot now is, you know, they had like a, a really cool room where like they had chess boards out and backgammon and they had ping pong tables, pool tables. Heidi, we've, we've visited some of our sponsors' offices that have that kind of a setup. Oh, yeah. And the one that comes to mind is uh, is MailChimp. They have really, they had such cool stuff there. And people seem just very calm and not not crazy running around with their hair on fire there. Yeah. In, they had time to to kind of take a break and mentally recharge in mm-hmm, a way. And mm-hmm. I loved that. Yeah. In the, in the old days, you would say like, what, games in the workplace? No way. Because that'll take, everyone will do that. Instead of working. Yeah. But they don't. Then they realize that people need that kind of stuff to even continue working later. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like if, if you're working, we work very hard here. Yep. But it's nice to sometimes go and say, you know what? Because like I get into work, I drop my kid off at school and I'm usually here physically in my office Standing at, seven, at your desk. Standing at my desk at 7.45 in the morning. And I'm typically here until 6 o'clock, sometimes later than 6 o'clock. And there are some days where I don't, and you don't either, but that's not good. I, li- I want you to always regardless, but where I don't get to take a break for lunch at all. Where lunch is me standing at my desk while I'm working on something Eating a microwave hot dog. A microwave hot dog. <laughs> That's actually been more days than not the last few weeks. But you know, we're at we're at a point where we, you know, and I, I hear people call up and ask about this all the time, what they're supposed to do when they're at this situation. 
But there's, you know, we're at this situation where it would be really great to have like a full-time office manager to just handle scheduling things and <laughs> making sure that things happen when they're supposed to yeah, sort of overseeing really nice. production and stuff. But we can't afford to hire that human being. Well, you can't afford not to. No, we can't afford not to. <laughs> we actually, trust me, we right. can afford not to. But we can't afford to have a full-time person doing that. But you can't have someone part-time do it. Because what if you need that person at eight in the morning? You need them on call the twenty four hours, but you don't might not need them in the office or being billed for twenty four hours. You know, like right, they might do two or three a hours an hour, a day of work. Right, and I think tons and tons of small business owners are in this situation where they have a role that they need filled, but it's not a full time role. That's the that's the hardest thing I think. Hiring that's why that's why little independent firms of developers, designers, whoever are getting so much work these days because the reality is you don't need a user interface expert, mm-hmm. a usability person 24 hours 24, a day, right, every day of the week. You need them to come in and like be a part of the project when you're doing that part of the project. And then, you know what, then it might be three months till you start working on the next version of that thing. You only need it when you need them. Right. It, that's what funny. was the thing you said about the police today? Oh, no, no cop, cop, no stop. No stop. It's like that. You heard that the other day and I had to explain it to you. Well, because I follow those rules. No, not, not the no cop, no stop rule. I follow the stop at a stop sign. Okay. I was going to say, uh, that's so funny that you were just talking about this because Maggie and I were just talking. Maggie's our intern. Yes. And she said, Oh, she made a comment like, Oh, the weekends go by so fast or something. And I was like, the more you work, you kind of look up and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's Thursday. I still have so much left to do. Right. And I feel like some people don't feel that way. No. But I think the people that that care or like you said people that run their own business, that that's how they feel always. Yeah, it's not that I don't want to break on the weekends. Right. But it's just that like you know, there's th- always more to do. There's always more to do. There's always seems like there's more to do. And when I was when I was working for other people, you know, and Friday would come around, like, good, I don't have to think about this crap until Monday. <laughs> it's someone else's problem. I might not even come in. You know, I'm going to call in sick on Monday. I'm gonna, I didn't do that a lot. But you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people who can do that. I can't call in sick. Right. I've been sick. You, and it's, you it's literally just, it's cannot call in sick. disastrous for our business when I'm sick. Disastrous. Yep. Everything stops. And it's not because you're incompetent or because other. it's just simply. I can't do there's your, a lot of stuff Dan Benjamin Hour. A lot of stuff that can't happen. And, you know, it's, there are a lot of businesses. If you're an independent person, if you're working for yourself or you want to work for yourself, consider that before you do it. <laughs> consider the fact that if you're, let's just say, I'll, I like to pick on web designers. Let's say you were a web designer. And let's say that you want to build a business. And you know what? Let me, let me uh, pause that thought for a second and say there is a huge difference Huge difference between being a freelance X and running a business where you do X, even if that X is the same exact thing. And I'll pick on web design. Big difference between being a freelance web designer. I know why you're going to say it's different. And a business where you are doing web design. Go ahead. I think because one freelance to me implies that it's just you and when you run like a small business or a small team or something mm-hmm. like that, whenever there's more people than just you involved, everything changes. Totally agree. I totally agree. But I'll even take it a step further. It has to do with the mindset. A freelancer, here's a, here's a freelancer, okay? Freelancer's like, how much money is in the bank right now? Okay, I got enough for two months, so I'm not gonna work. Then, oh man, it's getting calm. Things are gonna get tight. If I, okay, I better go find something. And go find something. And and before you say that I'm stereotyping, this is every single freelance designer <laughs> I've ever worked with. Yeah. So maybe I just pick them this way. And then way. they bounce and then they'll get a full-time job and right. then they'll leave their full-time job and then they'll be back freelancing again. Right. Whereas yeah. a business is, let's look at revenue streams. Let's look at growth. Right? Let's set things up. So that we have a consistent revenue stream over an extended period of time with financial goals that we're trying to reach. Even if it's just you, it's a business of one. That's very different from how much money I got in the bank. Let me check. 
Right, what am I going to? No, it's 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 building client relationships, growing. Now you can do that freelance, but if you have the mentality of I am building a business because eventually I don't want to be. And listen, I'll go back. I'll reflect back on designers I've worked with when when I, I had an opportunity to be a business I was doing was going to be acquired. And the person didn't want to be acquired because they didn't want a full-time job. And I said, what, do you really want to be doing this design stuff forever? Just designing stuff for other people forever? You know, we're, we're in our 20s, early 30s now, but do you want to be doing that in 10 years? I said, yeah, I think I do. No, they didn't. And they wound up doing something completely different. They built a business and it's a great business. But it takes people some time to realize that freelance, working for other people, you think, oh, I'm going to run my own. Running your own business is hard. Being a freelance is hard. Having a full-time job is hard. It's all hard. The grass is always greener, but it's still hard. It depends on what kind of, what kind of challenge you like. Do you like the challenge of knowing that, you, that until, unless that business goes out of business, that you're going to get a paycheck even if you slack off, even if you have the ability to take oh, – let's take – we're taking an easy Friday. <laughs> we're kind of going to do a two-and-a-half I've half never understood lunch. that. He's going to kick back. You've never worked in an abrasive, horrible – uh, <laughs> that's very true oppressive corporate office no but like an easy Friday like how how could you possibly take <laughs> what there are people who take who've taken more vacations and you know who I'm talking about they've taken more trips and vacations in the last six months than I've taken in the last six years yeah. does that mean that I'm uh, a harder worker than them or does it mean I picked a business that requires me to do more, more stuff? More hands-on stuff, yeah. Or what? I mean, I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just pointing it out, that there's another lifestyle out there. Also, I think some people, you know, like you said, kind of, it's, it's Friday, 5, their brain shuts off. Time to go get beers at right. the beer garden. But see... I never do that. I've never I, done that. I don't want to do that. I literally... You have to pull me away from my desk Friday at 6 o'clock. I can't... I would sit there the entire weekend... If you didn't stop me, because there's always something to do. And I leave on Friday with everything still to do. No, you there's know? people like, who don't do that. There's people who leave their their office, uh, their office, their their job at the door of the office when they walk out on Friday afternoon or at 5 p.m. every day when they leave. I knew a guy and I keep I keep pointing at this guy. But that's how mistakes happen later. No, they just don't care. And you know what? I remember after I'd run my first business for a number of years and I took my biggest client became uh, my, my new employer. And I remember it was at the end of the day and I was like, I'm done today. And the, I'm, I've already delivered more because of my work ethic. I've always delivered. I've already delivered more than they were expecting to that day, perhaps that week. And I don't need to do anything else today. They don't want me to, they want me to stop. They want me to do whatever it is that I do and come back refreshed the next morning and work again for another eight hours. And then they want me to stop again. And they're happy with that because I'm working hard during the eight hours that I'm there and then I'm done. And if I have an idea outside of work, wow, well, Dan, make sure you don't work. They, they would say, don't do too much. Don't <laughs> do too much outside of work. You know, and then there were crunch times and stuff. But for most people, that's what you get with a regular job. Then you get people who are working at startups. And that's different. And I'll tell you about that in a second. I'm going to talk to you about our first sponsor, Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses, but they sell them at a fraction of the price. And let me tell you about them. They're great mattresses. I've slept on all kinds of mattresses. And it seems to me like anytime I go to a hotel, unless, and I don't care about brand names, unless it's a W. The bed sucks. The pillows suck. Oh, gosh. Pillows it's specifically, a too. But oh, the mattress Why is, is it there. so hard to get I a decent understand. pillow? Who wants one of those ratty, rolled up Why would I want a feather pillows? pillow? Why would I want a feather Never pillow? Never want a feather pillow. <laughs> well, even the mattresses at these places are terrible. So bad. And when I get back home, I have a nice mattress. But it's not as nice as the mattress that we have here in our in our office we have a mattress we have here. a casper mattress and you know what when they asked us they said listen you know we we want to, you to familiarize yourself with the product so you can talk about it intelligently and we'll send you one i said okay great so they sent us out a mattress and they said well what size do you want and i thought well 
Let's just go with a twin size mattress. We'll try that out. What an idiot I am. You're so dumb. I should have said, send me a king because (laughs) it's better than the king mattress I have in my house that I paid five (laughs) times as much for. Yep. I know. And I couldn't have got a queen because I had just bought my new mattress. This is way better. Yeah. You spent, you spent like twice as much on a, on a queen. Oh yeah. And regretted it immediately. As soon as I touched the Casper mattress, (laughs) they've cut the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms. Because they don't have resellers or showrooms. You buy it right from them. It comes to you in a box. You open it up and it unfurls and it breathes in the air and, uh, and, and expands. And then it is this amazing mattress. They cost, they start, here's the costs. Talk pay. $500 for a twin. $750 for a full. $850 for a queen. $950 for a king. Go 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 to your local mattress place, your discount mattress place, and price them, and then come back and listen to this ad, and you will be back. You will be buying one of these, and if you don't like it, you have 100 days to try it and return it if you're not happy. Free delivery, painless returns, and I am going to personally give you $50 off. Casper.com slash grit. The code to use is GRIT. It will get you $50 off any of the mattresses that you choose. Thank you very much to Casper for making this show possible. And if you forget that code, it's going to be in the show notes. 5x5.tv slash grit slash 66. So these freelancers, you have the freelancer mentality. There's nothing wrong with the freelancer mentality. But the freelancer mentality is the same thing as the construction worker mentality. And don't ask me why, but... In like post high school, late high school, post high school, I knew a bunch of guys that were going into construction work and they would go and they would take a project or a gig or whatever. And they would go and do that until they had enough money to live for a while. And then they would stop and they would, I don't know, party, drink, relax. And then they would oh, we need, I need some money again. So they'd go and work some more and now they'd have money again. Oh, my car, you know, I need to do a new brake job on my car. I guess I got to go work. And they would work. I'm not saying they're all like this. Of course not. But that's very different from somebody who is like a contractor who's running projects, big projects, has them ongoing, building a business once they get employees. A lot of people don't want that. If you don't want that, if these things do not sound appealing to you, don't start your own business because it's a very short period of time that you'll be able to have a business of one. Also, the other thing that I was thinking about is if this thing that you're working on, whether you're a freelancer or a small business owner, if that thing fails, each thing has a very different outcome. If your freelance business fails, then you only have you to answer to. Right. But you have to go, if you have a small business and tell people, I can't give you a job anymore. That's right. also very different. Oh, so uh, I used to, ha- I had a boss uh, and when I was talking to him about wanting to hire someone new. He kept saying to me, you know, I don't think we should hire that person. I said, why? We need the help. He said, yeah, but we can all work a little bit harder. I said, well, we work hard already. He said, yeah, we can all work a little bit harder. I said, why don't we want to hire someone? He said, well, that's a mouth to feed. That's a responsibility. Mm-hmm. You take somebody in and you, you make them an employee. If they're not jobless when you hire them, then you're taking them away from something. And if you fire them, then they have nothing at that point. That's a huge responsibility for an employer. When you're in a big company, you're insulated from all the direct right. You're just a a face. That's it, right? And if you're a manager at a company and you have to fire somebody, you don't even have to do it. You could just keep them on the payroll for a while, let them find something else eventually, make their job a little bit more miserable, while they hope that you go and find a different job somewhere else. Talk pay. So what does it mean? You hear these different salaries. And The Verge has a nice list of these different things. I used to talk to my friends on IRC and I asked them what they made. Some of them were system administrators, IT folks. This is when I was back in the IT world more than software development. And one guy was in San Francisco and he said, oh, I make $125,000 a year. This is mid-90s. I was making, I had just gotten a raise to 24000 and I was rich. I could buy anything I want in the whole world. 
I bet you heard his number and you're like, oh, yeah, my God, I was you're a out. billionaire. <laughs> right. Like, I don't even know. I wouldn't even be able to spend $125,000. Yeah. What would you do with that? There's nothing I could do with it. <laughs> like, literally, I could buy everything I wanted and I'd still have another 115000 left. And I was just shocked by that. Well, he was living in the Bay Area. He's living in San Francisco. Cost of living was much higher. He had been working for 10 years, maybe longer. So he was very, very experienced. He was running a very large network at a big, big company. So you compute those factors in. He was still on the, on the scale of being very well paid. But another thing, when you hear these numbers and you see these numbers and you see people talking about that, you've got to consider location. There's a huge yeah. difference in salary requirements between Austin and Dallas. And that's both Texas. That's only right. a three, three and a half hour drive away. There's a huge difference between places that have state taxes that don't have state taxes. That right there could be potentially 20% of an income, 30% of an income. Right. Who knows? Maybe less. But that's still a big part of it. Property taxes play into things like this. So don't don't just look at a number. I think this this I actually think this hashtag and this whole discussion is stupid. And the only thing that it's going to do is make people feel terrible about themselves. Or really good about themselves. I think people should post, if they are going to post it, what they make and then the breakdown of what that is in every other state (laughs) or city. (laughs) Or have a conversion online somewhere where you type it in. They have those. And they're really good that do these conversions. You can type in what what a, a salary is where you live and then a destination city and it'll show you the difference. It takes into consideration things like housing. Cost of general cost of living, tax, everything else. And it will tell you, oh, if you make 100000 in Austin, you need to make 225000 in New York to live at the same level. Right. You're basically uh, uh, just living a desolate life. They almost <laughs> suckered me into moving to Boston. They suckered me into it, this one startup back then. I was, uh, I was probably making at the time in the 50s. And... I was interviewing at this company out in Boston and they offered me something that's like 80 K and I was like, Ooh, 80 K. Like, that rich. sounds nice. <laughs> I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. Oh my God. I've done it. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. And then I started doing some salary comparisons and it would have been equivalent to like a 15 K pay cut <laughs> to move there. And I went, I actually went there and looked at, at, housing options for what I could afford. And for twice what I was paying in rent, I was scaling down. I was going to live in a dump. So in you're going to be making less and living in a worse place. Right. <laughs> and working at a company where everybody was like cliquish and, uh, and like, you know how they are up in the Northeast. They hate everybody. This person on Twitter says designer with quotes around it. They're naming their title. 2009, 40K underpaid. 2010, 35 an hour underpaid. 2011, 65K, underpaid. 2012, 45 an hour, underpaid. 2013, 14, $80 an hour. 2015, 100K. And then underneath it in caps, they say, believe in yourself, hashtag talk pay. I I don't understand this tweet at all. And believing in yourself has absolutely nothing to do with what you get paid. This is the real world here on this show. Yeah, and you got to work really hard to make that happen. (laughs) This show is about the real world. A friend of mine just sold a company that he co-founded for $41 million. $41 million. I'm going to say it three times. $41 million. That's how much they sold their company for. He's a co-founder. I don't know what his percentage of that is. There was three or four people, maybe five in the company. But he was one of the two people, I think, that started the whole thing. Maybe he got half, maybe he got less than half. But I know that he never has to work again. So I've done math on this before for myself. How much money would I need to never have to work again? Well, I would still work, but to not have to work again. How much would you need? Have you ever thought about this? People, oh, $2 million. No, (laughs) no, please, please, people. I remember one time, I had saved up, been saving and saving and saving for the first few years of my life. 
And I think my wife and I together had $10,000 saved. And I was talking to uh, somebody else in, in, in the business world. She was about my age. And I, somehow we came up on a topic of savings and how much we we're getting paid. And she said, oh, my God, if I had $10,000, you think I'd be sitting here right now? I'd be sitting on a beach in Mexico. <laughs> sitting on a beach in Mexico if you had $10,000 in the bank. I mean, with inflation, it'd probably be like $15,000 now. But that's the mentality a lot of people have. If I had money in the bank, I wouldn't be working. I'd work when I run out of money. But then there's people who, who want to save, who want to retire eventually. $41,000 now. I mean, million. <laughs> $41 million. That's how much they sold it for. So how much would you need? You'd probably need, you meaning a regular person, to live the lifestyle that you're accustomed to now, which is probably not extravagant. You probably bought an Apple Watch or you at least have an iPhone 6. And you want to get a new iPhone every couple of years, a new computer every few years. You live in a comfortable house. You want to have money set aside. You want to be able to pay for your kid's college. Get a new car when you need one or your car repaired. I'm not talking about Bentleys, yachts, Cristal. I'm just talking about living a comfortable life. Buying brand name foods. <laughs> right. Not having to cut coupons to make it. You probably need on the low, low, low end, you probably need $15 million. 25 would do very well. It's for you to, and if you, if you are in your thirties and you never want to work again and, and you, you plan on having kids and be and comfortable them and leave school. something for them right. and not ever have Done. to work and never have to worry. So this guy got there by earning it. He didn't have yep. some clever idea for a startup and they got tons of ventures and he cashed out yeah. with a sale. No, this is a guy who showed up and wrote Ruby on Rails code Head and down did support and worked. year after year after year after year. And he had other businesses that didn't do, that didn't, that didn't succeed, at least not at this level. I don't know if this was his second or his third or his fourth, but this is somebody who showed up every single day. And worked really, really hard on grueling stuff, on stuff that sucked. I know what he was doing. A lot of what he did sucked and was boring and was not interesting. And he was solving problems and he was writing code, but he showed up and he earned it. And he's been doing this stuff for a decade or longer. And he built a business that filled a really good need and it got sold. And you know what? Nobody online is talking about it. There is an art, a short article, I think, on TechCrunch about it. Nobody, you know what? It's not sexy. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to notice. Except the people that are using the product, you know, they'll notice because maybe it'll get better. Maybe it'll, I think it will get better, stay the same. But you know what I'm saying? Like the regular person walking down the street doesn't know anything about it. It's not Facebook. It's not Beats. It's a company that did really important software that another company thought would be really important for them to own. And they wrote out a big check and now it's theirs. It's not glamorous, but this is what real work looks like. And he was lucky enough to build something that was valuable enough. And it was value. It is valuable to be acquired by another company, $41 million. And, you know, all of us, when we think about our product ideas, our project ideas, our software ideas, we think about these, oh, I'm going to make a website. I'm going to make an app. I'm going to make a service that does this really cool thing. It's awesome. Your idea will probably not make you $41 million. No. It will probably not net $41 million. It will probably not net $4 million. It will probably not net 410000 because the chances are your idea is good, but your execution will be flawed. No, not mine. Mine's going to be good. I'm different. My co-founder's different. Our business model's different. No one's done this before. We're innovating. It's the Twitter of blank. The Facebook of blank. This is the thing. It's not. Now, am I trying to discourage you? Does this bother you? Does what I just said really bother you? Maybe you've got a chance then. Does what I, are you hearing what I just said and saying to yourself, Dan is so wrong. Then and you I'm may have a chance. Wrong. You may have a chance. 
But if you're hearing that, then yeah, he's probably right. Well, then go back to work. Go back to your job. But if you just got angry when I said that, maybe you have a chance. Because you've got to get, you have to have that desire. It doesn't mean you won't be moderately successful, as Jason Calacanis would say. He's not happy with moderate success. Moderate success means you get to do the thing that you like to do. And then if you stop doing it, that's, that's it. No more money comes in. And that's fine. I mean, that's fine for a lot of people. Save for retirement, retire. And you can look back and say, I did stuff that I really liked. I'd be very happy with that. I think most people would be very happy with that. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I'm tired of people looking in the Silicon Valley area, looking down on that. Moderate success. I'm happy with very, I'd be very happy with moderate success. I get to do what I like eight hours or more a day. Everybody wants to be famous now and known for their That's thing. So stupid. Talk pay. One woman says, I'll play talk pay. The most I ever made at a staff journalism job was $40,000. Freelance is, of course, more volatile, but better for me. She says, and I'm writing a story about talk pay for 50 cents a word. <laughs> that's, that's real life. Right. But, you want to do what? talk pay with teachers? <laughs> it's the worst. My mom was a teacher my whole life. And her salary was never very good. That's why we lived in a crap apartment in, in Philadelphia. And why she had to work nights at uh, Artie's in Center City at a clothing store. She had a master's degree in English. She's working late at night and I'm with a babysitter and she's working in a department store in Center City. Well, let me tell you something about Center City in the 70s, folks. It's not a cute little place to raise your family. Center City was a place you did not want to be after dark. Now that's, that's being a teacher. They have a different ver version of Center City around today. It's much better. Let me tell you about Harry's. We're talking about saving money on the show. I guess that's our topic today, saving money. I don't know. But I will give you after this, this uh, great sponsor break my recipe to how to quit your job and start your own business. Because I have a, a specific recipe. I need it. You know what, I need, Hattie, I need to start doing? What? I need to start coming up with really cool, catchy little names or phrases that go along with my mantras. Okay. Like what? I don't know. But I, if, if I get one of these, that will help repel me. And then I'll have a book deal. Done. Because pe people like, you know, like this interview I just did with Tim Ferriss. He's got tons of good ideas, but he comes up with like real good names for them. Like and what? then they get even better. Well, you listen to the interview if you want. If so, if I you guess know I so should. Much. It said five by five dot TV slash pipeline slash one. I rebooted that show. I am now doing 13 shows a week. Yeah, we calculated that today. That's math. But let me tell you about Harry's. Harry's.com was started by two guys passionate about creating a better shaving experience for all men and women. Harry delivers a superior shave. They bought a blade factory in Germany that's been crafting some of the world's highest quality blades for nearly a century. They cut out the middleman just like Casper does. And you get an amazing shave at a fraction of the price. A fraction of the price of drugstore brands. They have these really great starter kits. 15 bucks. You get the razor. Really nice razor. Three blades, which last, I've, in my experience, twice as long as a regular razor blade. That's my personal experience. Maybe they say it's three times. I, I think it's twice. I don't think they've ever said, but I'm, that's what I've experienced. And you get the shave cream or the foaming gel. That's in this kit. And I will give you $5 off your first purchase if you use the code GRIT at harrys.com. H-A-R-R-Y-S. Harrys.com. Code is GRIT. You say five. So get that. Five bucks off. Use a code GRIT. Go check them out. Harrys.com. Better shave. Here's my recipe. And this is, it's a simple recipe. It's simple steps that you can follow. And if you do it, you will then know if you should start your own business. And then you'll also be financially ready to start your own business. Because this is what everybody thinks they want to do. 
It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Two callers dropped off because I went on too long. It's all right. I don't care. I don't need your calls. I'm just kidding. Call back. Um, here's my recipe. First of all, if the thing that you want to do, if it's at all possible for you to do, because here's, here's what people want to do when they say they want to start their own business. They say, I am currently doing job A, but I would really like to be doing job B. And job B is usually programming or web design. So they say, okay, I'm going to teach myself web design or I'm going to teach myself programming. Let's say it's Rails. I want to learn Rails. So then they go and they start learning Rails. They do uh, buy a couple books or they do some online web courses. They take some screencasts or they, you know, go to one of these code schools out there and they teach themselves this. And it goes really well and they say, wow, I really like this. I want to move into this. So now they're sure that they like it and they're ready to move into it. Cool. But the next step is actually doing it. So that's step two. Step one is teach it to yourself. Learn the thing that you want to learn that you think you want to do full time if you don't already know it. Step two is go and start doing it. If you think that finding, I'll pick the web, I'll pick on web developers all day today. You think going and finding a web design job is hard if you have a, a regular job that you work at until 5 or 6 p.m. And maybe you even have kids. If you think that finding that job is hard, that spare job, and then doing it in the hours after your kids are in bed or after you get home from work and all weekend, if that is slightly daunting to you, then don't start your own business because that's what every single day will be like, at least for a while. If the idea of coming home after work and working some more is frightening to you, don't start your own business. If you're trying to find a new job, this is a different topic, but this is about if you want to start something. So then go out there and start working, start doing it. Then you get that and then you find that client. Then you do the work. That's the next step. Do the work. And once you've done the work, get paid. That's a step in and of itself. People forget. They think it's easy to get paid. Companies are on a net 60, net 90. You finish work in January, you're not getting paid till March, April. That's just the way it works. And they'll cut their check when they get around to it. Why is that $5,000 so important to that guy? Wish he just leave? He'll get paid. He'll get paid before the end of Q1, before the end of Q2. He keeps calling, keeps emailing. Isn't that a joke? I'm going to ignore his email a couple more days before I cut him a check. Meanwhile, he's trying to figure out how he's going to pay rent. Pay the doctor bill. To the big company, they don't care. And chances are the person that you're working with at the company, they've forwarded your uh, your invoice over to the people in accounts payable. And they've got a stack of 50 invoices that came in that day. They're not going to get to that. The guy you're working with is nice. The lady you're working with is nice. They're fun to work with, but then, oh, I've forwarded it on. It's out of my hands. I can go bug them. I mean, I can, I'll walk over there, see if I can get things going, but, and that's what companies that can afford to pay. That's what companies that have the money to pay you in the first place. A lot of them don't. I worked at a company where the owner of the company, who is a multimillionaire, frequently had to loan the business money to make payroll. And payroll was not $100,000 every two weeks. It was hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. They had a lot of employees. He had to loan the company hundreds of thousands of dollars every other week. He might get it back in the following weeks or months. But he had to loan the company money to make payroll some weeks. We never felt it. We always got paid. A lot of people didn't know that was happening. I knew. Made me nervous. But if, if, those, if that process sounds daunting to you and you're having a problem doing that freelance work in the evenings to get that client job to see if you actually even like doing the work, don't run your own business because that's what every day is like. Oh, really? Yeah, because you're going to be working on one, two, three client projects and then trying to get more work in the evenings. And it never ends. It never ends. It never ends. 
Now, you may get to a success level where you have other people working with you and you can afford to pay them to work with you. You might even have a small office. You might have someone, you can hire someone to do sales. Now they're doing sales. Now they're finding that new work for you. But the, the stress of it never goes away. The worry about it never goes away. You might have money that's flooding in, flooding in. And then you get a dry spell and you're like, what just happened? Do you know anybody that needs any design services right now? No. How's your business, Mary? How's your business going, Frank? What's going on? Yeah, it's slow for you too. Well, if you hear of anything, well, I suppose you'd take it if you heard anything. But if you hear two things, let me know. And then you don't get paid for a while. That's normal. Does this make you nervous? Does this sound scary? Because this is real life. This is what it's like out there. Ask anybody. There are very, very few people who are in such an elevated position that they don't have to worry about such things where people are just lining up to work with them. It happens. But how do you distinguish yourself from all the other people that are doing very similar work to you? How do you become one of these people that are the person you just, you have to get? Everybody talks about designing, you know, web apps and building, uh, build, sorry, building iOS apps, building Android apps. The more and more I look at these apps out there, the more they look the same. The apps that I use are starting to look more and more and more like each other. Is this bad? No, it's fine. Most Mac apps look like each other. It's the functionality they provide that's valuable. But the better that iOS gets, the better that Android gets, the less we will need people in usability, the less we will need, oh, no, no, we'll always need people in usability. Yes, we will. But we won't need them the way that we need them now. People know in automobile manufacturing, they know where to put the shifter. They know where to put the, uh, the turn signal. They know where to put the headlights. They've refined this thing. 20 years ago, you still saw all kinds of weird shifters and stuff like that. Stuff isn't there anymore. The biggest change that I've seen is that we have a button to start our cars instead of pushing our key into the dashboard, which replaced putting our key into the steering wheel and turning it. That's the biggest changes that we've seen in the user interface of a car. Now, I don't want to talk about the electronics of air conditioners and radios because those are all crap. We're going backwards. But pretty soon, we will innovate to a point where the way that we use, and if you don't believe me, look at what I consider to be the best and most advanced operating system for a computer, Mac OS X. I don't love everything about Mac OS X, but look at how much more slowly the pace of the user interface has become there. And look at what Windows has been trying to do on the flip side of that with Metro and their pains and everything else. I don't know anyone that likes that, that prefers that. But you know what? It's different. It's fine. There are people who like it. That if you look at the general concept of a user interface, it hasn't changed. Am I criticizing it? No. I think it has changed less because we have found a paradigm that works. It can be improved. Everything can be improved. And we are hopefully going to continue to see improvements. But overall, the way that it works is pretty much the same. I was messing around with a System 7 Mac not that long ago. And sure, plenty of things had changed, but overall it was pretty much the same. If you take about 10 steps back, it's the same. It's really basically the same. You still have a desktop and you're double-clicking and you're launching applications and there's menus. Oh, well, you know, you got this, you got that. Yes. But overall it's the same thing. Same thing with cars. Same thing across all kinds of industries. Getting to that point, we're getting there with apps now, especially with device-specific apps like the stuff you're seeing for Apple Watch. So what does that mean? Am I prophesizing that there's not going to be user interface experts? Yeah, there always will be. But we won't need hundreds of them. We'll need a few of them. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. We'll see. But my point about this rant is you have to evolve you have to be in a constant state of learning. And this was another topic that uh, somebody on Twitter asked me to talk about. You have to be willing to learn and to adapt 
and to change at all times. And it's much easier to do that within the scope of a regular job where you do have that two or three hours a day of me time or where your managers or bosses would even consider sending you to get training, sending you to a conference, sending you to go learn. Lots and lots of companies want to start their own podcasts now. We're working with a few of them. And more and more, I think, you know, I could make a living if I want it. I could make a living going to companies and explain to them, like, here's how to podcast. And that could be my job if I wanted it to be. And I would make a decent living, just me doing that. That's not what I want to do. I mean, I might do things like that, but I'm saying that's like, I don't want that to be my full-time job. But it would be kind of fun because I'd get to go travel a little bit. I'd get to go talk to some people. And when the week is over, like I'm done. I don't have to work again until I need some money. Sound familiar? But that kind of business doesn't scale. The business that I'm in now of making podcasts kind of scales. It scales if there's enough listeners. If this show all of a sudden had 100,000 downloads a week, I could charge a lot more for sponsors, which would mean I'd be able to do a lot less uh, of, of the other shows that I do, which would mean I could just be, oh, I just do one show a week. I just make it the best show I can. And it gets hundreds of thousands of downloads and I'm, I'm making good money. But what happens if I don't show up for a week or two or three? The show goes away. Well, that's true for any business. We should probably take a couple of these calls. Let's do it. Go ahead, caller. Ah, hello, Dan. How are you? Who's this? Oh, doing all right. Uh, my name is Miguel. Hi, Miguel. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? A lot of, lot of uh, interesting topics that I've been kind of thinking about lately. Talk talking pay. about today, and I finally got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're right about like all these high numbers making you feel bad when you look at them, and you know, whenever I see some of this stuff, it's like, oh, what am I doing wrong? Um. Like, I would say kind of like right now, like one of the things I think a lot about is uh, like I'm kind of find myself falling into like very generalist roles. What's your specialty? that leaves me concerned. Well, I do like the thing I kind of like doing the most is programming, you know, but like general, you know, web development stuff. But I end up uh, like, I kind of want to give some background, but um, kind of set up, like, where I'm at now. Um, like, my first real job out of college, I worked for a government job. Got hired as a print designer because I went to school for graphic design. Cool. Um, and I ended up doing, essentially, I got hired as a print designer, but because I like computers and stuff, I knew how to do, you know, HTML. I had taught myself PHP at that time. So I ended up inheriting the website because you know people left and i taught myself you know how do i do how do i use asp.net because that's what the host is on so i started doing that then i did like you know action script development oh yeah i became the uh event photographer uh video editor <laughs> so i was doing all these things and i mostly enjoyed it and as far as the talk pay part goes like when i started there it was like 22,000 a year. Three years later when I left, it was, you know, the dramatic increase of I was making 24 or something thousand dollars a <laughs> right, year. Right. And it was a government job. So the only way to actually break past that was to stay there for, you know, like 20 years and maybe be a manager, make 50,000 or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, lifelong, whatever. Then I somehow lucked into the current job I'm in. Or once again, it's like I kind of do a bunch of things. Essentially, part of it is training. I teach people how to use uh, Photoshop, Illustrator, and all these programs. Uh, but I'm also like kind of the de facto web developer. Uh, I can do, well, the site is kind of using all sorts of things. I can do JavaScript, I can do PHP. Uh, but like in my free time, it's like, I keep trying to learn what like you're talking about, learning new stuff. Like, I just enjoy that. Like I've been, you know, I, I maintain our servers. Like I can set up a Linux machine, you know, system, you know, Ubuntu upgraded have system D now. So I spent like, you know, weekend a couple weeks ago, like how does system D work? How's that going to affect, you know, 
all the servers that run. Yeah. So I figured that out. Big deal. My boss doesn't even know, you know, <laughs> but I did that because you know, I'm kind of proactive about it. Well, it sounds but, like you know, you're like doing, if, like, if I can butt in, it sounds like you're doing a lot of this stuff, not so much for the job, not so much for your manager, because if you cared so much right. about that, you'd make sure that they knew. But instead, you're doing this, it seems like, as an opportunity for yourself. But it also sounds like you're doing it, tell me if I'm wrong, out of boredom. Uh, not some, well, I'd say that's probably more of an issue lately. Um, like, kind of what we kind of do now is, like, part of it is, like, I teach these classes. And then I do, you know, we do consulting for other projects, some of which been you know, long and ongoing, but perhaps not in my main realm of interest. Um, and then on top of that, it's, you know, oh, I got to do a new crud thing for the back end of our site. And then I got to write some JavaScript for this. And then we got a new project where we're making a little tool for someone. So I'm like, well, I haven't actually used Node.js. So I'm going to do that. You know, I'm like kind of proactive and it's like, oh, I kind of like enjoy that freedom. But the thing that concerns me is like progression within this. Like, you know, I just looked at my W2 from last year and I'm only making 49,000 a year, you know, talk day, <laughs> right? And I look at like, you know, all these, I flew, I'm a web developer at a startup and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what city are, can you say making, what, what city or what part of the country you're in? Oh, I'm in Austin. Oh, cool. Well, you should, I mean, you should, uh, listen, Austin, you could be making, as a web developer, you could be making a lot more than that. Yeah. If that's your goal. Right. Well, and that's the thing is like, with all this general skill, like I wouldn't say I'm an expert in any one thing. It's like, the thing that concerns me is like, well, I can go apply for jobs. How do I prove that I know all that stuff? Because I can talk about, like, oh, I know all these different things and put all the right well, more or less, you know, I'd say I'm honest, but, you know, it like feels weird. But I'm like, I know all these different little things. And it's like, you know, well, I can get an entry level job. I can definitely That's the kind of thing that concerns me. Well, you're, and you know what? I mean, the reality <laughs> is you should be concerned and I'll tell you why I was very, very, very much along the same lines as you. I, was always kind of doing these other little things. And I found that I liked the way you sound like you like the challenges of doing them and you like solving problems. I did too, but I finally put myself into a situation where all these people around me, they had been specialists, whether they'd been doing writing or system administration or software development, or you want to get into specifics, they'd been doing C plus plus, or they'd been doing Java or they'd been doing PHP or even Microsoft Access, for crying out loud, whatever it was that they did, they had these deep specialties. So like when they would go and interview for a job, they'd sit down and they'd say, okay, well, you're here for the uh, Oracle Database Administration job. Tell me about what you've done. Well, for the last three years, I've been here doing Oracle Database Administration. And before that, I was here for five years doing Oracle Database Administration. And before that, I did some, uh, you know, I did some uh, Oracle Database Administration. And, it, you know, this is their specialty and the risk that they're taking or what I always perceived as being a risk is that I always thought, you know what? Great. They're doing uh, this, this one thing, but guess what? When Oracle shuts down or goes out of business, and maybe that's a bad example because Oracle's not going to do that, but maybe, but you know it, that here they are with this specialty and they're hanging everything they have on this one technology or on this one thing being the big thing. And as we've seen with software development, uh, you know, we've seen different languages get very, very popular and then kind of go away and then come back and there's a new one and this one's going away. And, you know, 10 years ago, if you said, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, a Mac OS developer and, and I know this, the objective C, like I've got it made for a long time. Right. And then Swift comes along and Apple's pushing it really hard and they're not getting rid of people who know other things, but they're saying this is the future. So, okay, like I'll pick up Swift and I'll learn that. Well, it's much easier today, I think, than it used to be because, you know, there was a, there, things are, are much more connected these days, especially in software development than they were 
years and years ago where these disciplines were almost separate things. But hanging your hat 100% on one kind of thing seems like a crazy thing to do. And yet I was seeing these people advancing and getting more, much more money than I was and having a clear career path because I was the guy who, yeah, I knew some database administration. I knew some Oracle, but I also knew like MySQL and Postgres. And you know what? Like I also did HTML and CSS and I knew how to do Photoshop pretty well. And I could rack mount those servers and get the Windows NT and Windows 2000 server running on them. No problem. And you know, I like to use a Mac at home and I'm very creative with that. And I do a little music and of course I'm writing that book and, you know, all of these different things on the side and, oh, I'm learning Rails and I do JavaScript and now there's this thing called Ajax and, oh, what's jQuery? Like all of these things, I was learning all of them and I knew a lot about a lot of different things, but I didn't know everything about anything. And that's actually a dangerous situation to be in just as much as hanging 100% of your hat on one other thing. Because when you go and you apply for a job and you apply at a place where they're saying, we really need someone to do front-end development for our website. Well, cool. They're going to say, oh, well, what about him? Oh, yeah, well, it looked like he was kind of all over the place. We really want somebody who's, that, who's yeah. kind of focused on one thing. And, you know, the benefits. So here's, here's what you should be considering. Small companies. Because to a smaller company or your own company at some point. The more skills you yes, have. Yes. Mm -hmm. A person like you who knows how to do lots of things is exactly who a small company needs to become a medium or a big company. And who wants to do all those different things, who doesn't want to just come in, sit down. My same day is the exact same every single day. It right. never changes. Like that's in a small company. You, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, you have to take on different roles you have to put on many different hats so yeah i agree with you dan it's you know it's something that i think you can listen to i've got to let you go but you know this is this is if if you decide that you want to make that move if you decide you want to make that change that that's the direction you should be looking at and if you start to feel man this government job thing i don't know if i like it Find a small company, find a well, startup who's going to really put value on the fact that you do know all of these different things and that you've taught them to yourself. Missed a little detail there. So like that government job was the first one. And the current thing is I am in a small business. But the thing is, as far as growth, I don't see a lot of growth at this point. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I'm currently in like a small business, like set up five yeah. people. Well, they're going to, um, the, the, the upside like, though is that they're going to value you much more than a big company would right now. Because to a big company, they want to fill a slot. And that slot is JavaScript developer or, you know, backend database developer or user interface designer or HR person or whatever it is that they're looking for. They want a specialist. And if you don't fit that mold, then they, they will have a harder time considering you. And you will hate the job. Right. So you might want to just switch companies. Yeah, it may just be that specific place that you're in. It may just be that, that one place. Mm -hmm. Go get a better company. Shop yourself around. You know what? Here's the other thing I want to tell you. And listen, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Good luck to you. And call me back and let me know uh, what happens with you in like a couple months. All right? Thanks for the call. <laughs> All right. So, you know, the thing that strikes me about this is that when you're in that situation, you know, he's talking about growth. He wants to grow. He wants to advance. He wants to be able to do more. Yeah. I mean, it's good that he's seeing it's that it's not it's frustrating. moving and he's not just kind of oblivious to it. Yeah. That would be bad. He's frustrated. I don't blame him. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough situation. Now, we had two other calls they both dropped, but you know what? What about the, the girl? Did no, she, she call called back? back and then she went away again. Oh, call again. No, because I'm, I'm about to end. Okay. I just have to thank uh, such good friends, Squarespace. They were here not that long ago in Austin. And you were reading an article to me aloud from your desk earlier. I was, yes. Uh, that Squarespace, they do a lot of podcast sponsorship. But you know what? They've scaled back. They've scaled back. They only want to do the, the shows that, that are going to be uh, big, big winners. Big hits. Big hits. And I said, Grit's a big hit, man. Grit's the biggest hit you're ever going to see. And they said, all right, fine. 
So I need for all of you to help me out. Do yourself a favor in the process. Go to squarespace.com slash grit. What is Squarespace? If you don't know, you make simple, powerful, beautiful websites for only eight bucks a month. And you get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. All ever doing on this show is talk about how important it is to focus on the things that you're good at, especially if you're starting a business. Mm-hmm. If you're starting a business, you don't want to, well, now I got to go build a website. So otherwise no one will know what I do. So how do I do that? So now I got to go and download a template from some site and set something <laughs> up on a server and configure a thing and then it didn't work and then it got hacked. And meanwhile, I haven't done any work. I haven't made any money. <laughs> Just been trying to make this work. Squarespace will solve all of this for you. And you're starting at $8 a month. Oh, you know what? We got to tell them about the setup fee. Oh, there's no setup fee. Ha <laughs> ha. Joke is on everyone else except Squarespace. <laughs> there's no setup fee. $8 a month. Responsive design. You get built-in commerce if you want to sell stuff. You get these really awesome landing pages and cover pages. And you start a trial with no credit card, no obligation. Start building your website today. I love Squarespace. They're the best. I love Squarespace I don't know, too. I don't know how much time I spent. I was looking back through. I had some old archive directories from an old computer. I was going through them. And I was looking at all these little business things, these little ideas that I started setting up. And I remembered this one of them in particular was for when I launched my software development thing. I was looking over there. Uh, the, the the web pages that I built. And I remembered how many hours and weeks I spent, weeks before I could do my business. And I remember my wife always coming in being like, have you launched it yet? No, I still got to work on this. Have you launched it yet? No, I still got to fix this. And it doesn't look good in Netscape. And I got to, you know, Internet Explorer on the Mac looks bad. I don't fix it. It's going to take me another three days before I could even start doing work before I could put something out there, because if the website that I built wasn't awesome, then why would people hire me to build their website? Right. If my website isn't awesome, why are they going to download my app? If my website's not awesome, why are they going to buy my mug? Whatever. Let Squarespace just do all of this for you. It's genius. And I love them. Squarespace.com slash grit support the show and get 10% off your first purchase. Use the code grit. Thank you very much to my friends over at Squarespace for making this show possible. But that's it. We're an hour and 12. Hour and 12? Yeah. And it's Friday and I'm tired. I'm tired too. From all that talking? No, from... Thank you for not taking over the show today. I, I didn't, I didn't want to. There were a couple to. times I felt like you were starting up the hill, like, but, but you backed back down. Yeah. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And uh, we will be back next week, 4 p.m. Eastern time. 3 p.m. Central, which is the correct time zone. 1 p.m. Lunchtime, basically, for those on the Pacific Coast. I feel terrible that the one woman uh, didn't get to be a part of the show. I know. Please call back. Call back, woman. I think it was but just a today. bad connection. Not today, no, not today. Week. Yeah. So I'd love to hear from you. She sounded a little apathetic and angry, too, which is my kind of caller. <laughs> so thanks for that. And uh, we will be back next week. Go to 5x5.tv slash grit slash 66. Be sure to check out those sponsors, Squarespace, Harry's, Casper. Links will be right there in the show notes. Have a great week and don't be so scared. <laughs>